Welcome to the I Love Me Too podcast, the podcast that empowers women to heal themselves, love themselves, and most importantly, free themselves. I am your host, Erica Donnell. In today's episode, I will be talking to Miriam Cruz, who is the founder of Miriam Speaks. Her work empowers women to break free from the limitations of past experiences and the subconscious mindset that we often inherit from those experiences. She has helped many women move forward in life with joy and abundance. I am so excited for you to hear her story. Hi, Miriam. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me today. So I know that the work you do uh, helps people break free from their limiting beliefs and switching their mindset. So I'm really interested in hearing what experiences helped shape who you are today and the limiting beliefs that you had to work through that ultimately inspired the work that you do to help others um, do the same thing for themselves. Thank you. Yes. So um, I think we've talked a little bit before you and I, Erica, and all the things that I have struggled. Just like a lot of us, I do have um, a lot of anxiety and depression and different things that developed through my childhood and adulthood. Um, so I'll start off a little bit by sharing that. So I was born in Mexico and I came to the United States to the southern, through the southern border um, with the coyote or as we call it over there, coyote, mm-hmm. um, a, a smuggler, someone who brings you in illegally. And that's because my parents, um, had, we had six kids and I was born in Mexico. So they had to bring me over here. Um, and once I was reunited with my family, I was four years old after being over there for two years with my siblings, only my parents were living in the United States. And I soon realized that my, my father was very violent, um, definitely towards my mother for sure and my siblings, but more towards me. And he many times called me names, you know, and had a nickname for me, Blackie. Mm. Um, because I was the darkest one in the family. So I started developing this belief that I wasn't pretty enough or good enough because of my skin color. And I also felt rejected and um, by him and a- ashamed a lot of the times. And if, if you think about it, you know, our parents, we want to feel loved. Specifically for me was for my father. I wanted the love. Um, but I didn't have that. So a lot of the times I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of just the way I looked and the way he treated me. So a lot of the times when he would come home and the kids would go greet him, I kind of stayed behind because I didn't feel like I was good enough or he was going to reject me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that belief kind of stayed with me through my teenage years, you know, at school, not wanting to ask questions because I didn't think they were good questions. Um, In relationships, I wanted to go after men that I thought was possibly easier would pay attention to me. And I realized soon that I started, you know, dating a lot of men because I realized um, that's how I would get attention. Um, my relationships came, became very toxic and kind of like the relationship with my father where the men would treat me poorly and then I wanted their attention even more. Right. So these yeah. are, mm-hmm. um, so these are just beliefs that I created through what I saw as people saw me. That's how I started viewing myself. And 
that led me to my relationships as an adult. And when I became um, pregnant, you know, it was a surprise to me. I was involved in, with a man who was very violent. Um, and the relationship was extremely toxic. So as you can see, it's been kind of a pattern where I would hold on to these relationships that were very dysfunctional because that's what I was used to at home and that's what I saw, so I replicated it. Um, so surely enough, I just started noticing the patterns as I got older and I, I started going to San Jose State and taking like uh, psychology classes and I realized that there was a lot of things that I had to work on. So that's pretty much um, how I began to really shift my mindset um, and being involved with someone, I'm not sure if I've shared with you, but this, my son's father, um, is in prison actually still, he's been serving eight years and he's going to be serving, um, about six more years for selling drugs. And I was involved with him, you know, as a, as a teenager. So I wouldn't, I didn't want to let go of this relationship. I had kind of like an attachment. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but just, I, he brought like some sense of security, although it was unhealthy relationship. Yeah. I think we do that often. Like, even though it's uncomfortable, it's what we, it's uncomfortable, but we find comfort in it because we just survive through it. Yeah. You know, it becomes exactly. what we know. So breaking away from it, even if it's possibly going to free us, it's, it's um, scary because it's like the unknown or we don't even feel worthy that we deserve anything different or, if we leave, we're just going to, you know, the next situation will be the same thing because it's just been the same pattern. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, another belief that um, came up because it's something that I learned in my family is that once you have a child with someone, no one else wants you. So you need to stick with that man. And it's possibly cultural and in my household, um, you stick with that man till the end. Like you chose this man, you wanted to have a child with him. So now you have to be with him. And that really was my belief based off my, what my mother would say, because she stayed with her husband, my father for, for many years, they're still not divorced. And he was very violent towards her. And she said, that's what I selected. Mm, and it's wow. very cultural where if you decide to walk out of the relationship or end it, um, you're frowned upon because you, that's the father of your child, you're splitting up the family. Yeah. So a lot of the times with him, I, although he was violent and aggressive, I didn't even tell anyone because it's kind of what I, what I selected and I felt like it was my fault. Mm -hmm. um, so one day I actually got home one day, he was on parole and he didn't live at my house. And I get home one day and I realize that all the lights are on in my house. So I start freaking out and it's, you know, it's late, it's dark. And it was about 6 PM. And I had my three-year-old three -year um, at the time with me, my son. Mm -hmm. And I call the cops and I'm like, oh my gosh, please, someone help me. Someone's in my house. Someone broke in. Can the cops come over here? And they said, we'll call you back. To me, wow. it was very surprising because I work for the court system. So I'm like, why the heck would they call me back? I'm asking for help. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in my car, like, who should I call? What should I do? And I'm just waiting out there in the rain inside my car. Well, when they call me back, the cops said, your house was part of a sting operation. We left you a note. The DEA was at your house, the drug enforcement. Oh. So when I walk in my house, like, 
my couches were destroyed, my picture frames on the wall. There was furniture everywhere. I mean, it was it was horrible scene. Like, like kind of like a movie scene almost. Like a movie scene, like. yeah, like yeah. a hurricane. My door was ki- kicked in, like, you know, and I'm like, what the heck? And I came to the, um, when I walked in, actually, I literally like dropped to my knees and started sobbing because I had never felt so violated. Like I had no idea what happened. Mm-hmm. So I remember, again, my son was like three and he kind of uh, looked at me. He's like, mommy. And I, it was like the craziest feeling that I've ever had, like such a reality check. Like mm-hmm. what the hell am I doing with my life? And I quickly realized like, I need to stand up for my son and for myself more than anything because I've been with this man. It, well, it turned out that he was storing drugs in my house mm-hmm. and the police had been following him for a while. Um, and I had no idea. Like, this is how I was so focused on just working and being a mother. I was mm-hmm. missing all the red flags. Like he was doing whatever else, having his own life out there. Mm-hmm. And I was just being a parent. Um, so I quickly realized like I had to really stand up for myself and I wanted more out of life. And that quickly like brought me to reality. Like, no, I need to work hard for me and my son and really get to the, the root of everything where I feel like unfulfilled. I don't feel loved. Um, I feel like I have to be in these toxic relationships, whether it's with the man or my family with the Mm -hmm. drama. Um, and that's really when I started doing the work, when I realized like, I just had not been paying attention to come after to find out also he had a child who was my son's age, another child. Oh, wow. Exactly. So all these things, sometimes we as women just don't notice um, because we're so focused on just surviving. And I think sometimes even when there are red flags, because I think women, and this has been said a lot, is that we all have the gift of intuition. Yes. And so I think sometimes like our intuition is telling us, but we rather just like not look at it. We choose to ignore it. So even when there are some signs, we don't want to face that that could be true or whatever that may open up. Exactly. Because we're scared, right? Like you mentioned, we're scared of being alone. Mm -hmm. We're scared to face reality and it's, it's fear. And what I've learned through my years is go towards the fear, like just go with it. And fear hates movement. I think I've told you before, whenever I find myself in a situation where I have doubts, I have questions, I just ask. Even in my current relationship, if I feel like something's off a little bit, you know, I just ask, is there something going on? Or if I have a certain question, um, because a lot of the times we're so afraid of the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're afraid under the rug all the time. Exactly. <laughs> we're afraid of what will happen. And I no longer live that way. So that's the situation that really um, got me towards where I'm at now. And, you know, I can share my postpartum depression that I really yeah. recently had. But yeah, that's I was basically ask, my journey. Ask about that. But, you know, definitely hearing kind of the first part of because. Definitely childhood has a lot to do with what shapes us. And again, those limiting beliefs. Yes. Sometimes we don't even realize that we have. Exactly. And, you know, for me, you know, I, there were definitely 
some difficult uh, things that I experienced as a child. And then I became a mom at 15. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, a lot happened at like a young age. And, you know, I experienced anxiety as an adult, but it was, it was pretty severe. And kind of after working through the worst of it, I realized that it really had a lot to do with all the stuff that I never actually dealt with. Exactly. And it just kind of bubbles over. And for some people, you know, it comes in different forms. And again, you know, for me, it was, it was anxiety and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful that I was able to work through it. I know, and you know, you just mentioned that you also, you know, later on, um, and I think most pretty recently, because your son is under a year old. Yeah. He's almost 10 months. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So pretty recently. Yeah. I do know that about you, that you um, have experience with postpartum. So if you can kind of go into that and how that came about and, and how you move past it, because I know anxiety is difficult to get through, but depression can be a dangerous space if you don't know how to get through that. Exactly. So you're definitely on point. And I think that's amazing um, that you're able to, you as a mother at 15, you know, even us as adults, like for me in my age, in my thirties, it was still a struggle having a baby. Oh, for just sure. Just learning. Yeah. <laughs> so I commend you for that. Um, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Motherhood is, is I think an experience for anybody at any age. Cause we, yeah, exactly. We only, the only guide or handbook, so to speak, that we have is our own experience with our mothers or whoever raised us in a motherly way. Yes, exactly. So my, um, again, my first child was a surprise. I was in this toxic relationship. So I was pretty depressed throughout the whole pregnancy. And even after, because I didn't want to be involved with that man, the same man that I'm, that I was referring to. I didn't, I didn't want to be with him, but I felt like I had to, like my life was over, but I was kind of just living. Mm -hmm. Now, once uh, we ended the relationship, I couldn't, I didn't want to date any men for a long time because I was afraid of being hurt again. And I was afraid of taking a risk or getting to know someone and going through the same pain. Um, So I finally decided that I was going to start dating. And I only dated once actually, which is my current partner. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was very careful with the next partner I was going to have. Like he had to meet certain criteria Mm -hmm. based off of my previous relationship. And I said, no, he needs to one, not use drugs or sell drugs. I need Mm -hmm. to be very careful. (laughs) Yeah. Like hopefully, you know, surprises can happen, but I need to be careful. Um, He needs to be kind, treat me with respect. No, like bad language. My ex used to call me all kinds of names. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm not blaming him. It was just who he learned to be. That was his journey. Yeah. My ex. So I, I don't blame him and I don't judge him. It was just, we were on different places. You know, we were growing apart. So the, the next partner I decided would fall, follow all these things that I wanted my partner to have. So I finally found, found someone. We started dating madly in love. Mm-hmm. I feel like I manifested him into my life. And we decided to have a baby. So everything was perfect. Like as soon as we said yes, in three weeks, I was pregnant. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really quick. And my 12 year old is like, what is going on? Like, you just <laughs> told me you wanted to have a baby. How are you pregnant now? So <laughs> magic. <laughs> yes, it's magic. It's what happens. And it was really, um, it, a joy for everyone. 
because you know in my family like the kids are older the grandkids so my mother was like happy everyone's happy but mm -hmm. I came home I didn't I didn't even gain too much weight during my pregnancy um I was positive I was outgoing I would go to the gym eating healthy and we had the baby everything was great after I came home a couple of days after I didn't even want to get up from bed sometimes like I found myself feeling like I was in a cloud like everything was foggy every day yes I know that feeling yeah now that I'm looking in, that's how I lived. But when I was in it, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I just, it's crazy. Like mental health, like you mentioned, a lot of the times we don't even know we're going through something and we don't even know what red flags to look for. So I didn't know I was going through something. I didn't want to get up from bed. There was days that I didn't even shower. Like I went one or two days without showering and I was just taking care of my baby that was not sleeping at night. Uh, my family was trying to do the best they could, but I didn't want them close to the baby because I was worried that the baby was not going to be safe and I was breastfeeding. So I would just sit there and just cry because I thought at that point, like, why did I even want to get pregnant? I don't even know, like, if I love this little person. And that's like one of the worst feelings to know that you love someone, but your mind is telling you no. And that's how it was. Um, a lot of people feel like postpartum depression is just something you go through. It's a mental health condition. And I wasn't really aware of how um, deep I was in it. So again, I found myself, you know, a lot of the time sitting like on my bed when people would leave my house and just start sobbing. And if he were to start crying, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to be dead. I can't take this anymore. The crying, the diapers, you know, my, the diapers, I wouldn't even put them in the um, little diaper bin that we have. Mm -hmm. At night, I was so tired. I would just leave them laying around and my boyfriend's like, honey, this is really not healthy. Like for you to be doing this to me, that was like, what do you mean? Why don't you do it? So we would start this fight back and forth. And he's like, no, I'm trying to talk to you. Like, please. To me, it was like he was attacking me. And we kind of shift everyone and every, everything that's happening. Again, postpartum can be different for anyone. I'm just talking about my experience. Mm -hmm. Everything that people would tell me, it was like attack mode. And my family didn't want to come over anymore. My sisters, they're like, she is always angry. And I thought they were just attacking me. No one understands me. So I stopped eating. Um, I didn't want to go out. Sometimes I would drop off my 12-year-old at school. And I would just sit there in the car and cry until my boyfriend would call me and say, I need to go to work. Are you, are you around? And I literally had been sitting in my car hiding away because I've I didn't want to. Yeah. Have you done that before? I've done mm -hmm. that before. Yeah. You just don't want to face life. It's like, exactly. I, I for me in, in, in anxiety and, you know, there were days that I did feel depressed because it's like, I knew what that day was going to be like. It was going to be crying. It was going to be panic attack. And it's just like, I don't want to do this today. Exactly. I didn't want to do it. Every day was the same thing. And I promised myself at night, like, okay, it, it was interesting because at night is when I felt better, like right before going to sleep. And it was such a pattern. Every day was the same thing. Like I promise tomorrow is going to be better. I'm going to shower. I'm going to wake up with energy. I'm going to do this and that. Mm 
the morning would come and I was even worse than the day before. I did not want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. There was nothing anyone could tell me to do it. Like I was devastated. I, and I always like to dress up, wear makeup and feel pretty like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even want to see my makeup. Like I was so upset and I felt like everything was going wrong. So one day I call my doctor. I remember sitting by the bed on the floor and I call my doctor and I'm like, please help me. Like I want to, I want to die. And she's like, calm. Like I sent her a message on, on the app. Mm -hmm. She called me back immediately. She's like, are you going to hurt yourself? And I said, I don't want to hurt myself, but I want to be dead. And she's like, please calm down. Don't do anything. You need to see someone. And I said, I'm seeing a therapist already. She knows. And she's like, no, a psychiatrist. So they got me in with the psychiatrist and she's like, you definitely have postpartum depression um, and you need to be on medication. To me, being an addict um, as a teenager, I, I struggle with addiction uh, to meth. Mm -hmm. I was really afraid of taking anything and I didn't want to. So of course, a doctor prescribed it and I'm like, okay, I'm like sobbing because I thought like, what the heck is going on? Why is my life so out of control? How can I fix this? And I get home and I tell my, my mom who lives with me, they prescribe the medication. Her response is like, I hope you're not doing that. Like motherhood happens to everyone. You need to be strong. And I said, I trying to be strong mom, but I can't stop these thoughts. And she's like, well, you need to figure it out because it happens to all of us. Wow. So for me, even mental health in my family, it's unspoken of. Mm -hmm. And you also, um, it's kind of shameful. Like, okay, yeah. she, like, she's crazy. You, mm -hmm. Exactly. I was going to say, you, it feels like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like she's crazy. Something's wrong with her. So I didn't tell her and I just uh, put the pills in my room. But I also found that I was feeling the same way about me. Like I was really embarrassed and I'm like, something's really wrong. And then it clicked. As I was going through my feelings and I said, what the hell am I doing? I'm super powerful. I know I wanted this baby. What am I doing? And I don't want to take the medication. And no one's, because the doctor said, you have to take it or you're going to live this way and kind of write it out. And hopefully it goes away. Hopefully, right? Hopefully it goes away. Yeah. But you have to take the meds. And I'm like, is there like a group that I can join? And she said, yeah, find groups around your area. I wasn't even in the mental space to find a group. I wasn't even showering. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you're giving me these instructions and I'm like, literally not even thinking like, I can't do it. So she said, you take the medication. And if you don't, you have to go back to work because your um, time off with your child is going to expire. I told her, if you send me to work, I will get fired. I'm not in a place. That's when I started having more of a voice. And I realized I need to stand up for myself. Some, somewhere something connected where I'm like, wait a minute, something's really wrong with me. And I need support and I don't want to take medication and I'm not going to be forced to do it mm -hmm. because I don't want to take medication. There must be other ways. And she's like, no. And I said, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking the medication. So one day I decided to make a plan. I sat there literally on my chair, my special chair, where I would have my anxiety, my moments. And I wrote out what I was going to start doing in my morning routine every day. And, um, which was like 
meditation, manifestation, and focusing on gratitude and going on morning walks or going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally wrote it out and I said, tomorrow I'm doing it. And when I was in that bed and I said, I'm not doing it, I said, you better get up, get up. It was like an out of body experience where someone was telling me, you have to do this or you have to be on medication. You said you don't want it. So get up. Mm-hmm. And I, and I got up and every day, like I would get up and I would go outside crying. Like I, I remember my walks, I was crying because I'm like, geez, what's wrong. But I was still listening to motivational speakers. My favorites, Lisa Nichols. Mm-hmm. And even when I did not want to, cause there was times that I'm like, she's so positive. I hate her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like really lives like that. <laughs> exactly. Like, what is she talking about? And then I was like, nope, you can't turn it off. Like everything that I was fighting, I was fighting myself in my mind. Like there was a battle and a conversation for everything mm-hmm. in my mind with me. And I found that I was my worst enemy. And I was the one that was telling myself, I'm not good enough that, you know, you don't love that baby. You put yourself in the situation. Now you see what happened. Like all these thoughts from childhood and my trauma. Mm-hmm started coming up and I said, you know what mind like, hell no, I'm taking over. So move to the side. Yeah. And that's how my mindset, um, um, knowledge, because I knew what mindset was. That's how I started developing these specific things that I did and shifted my mindset. Like I, this is when I really did the work and I realized that I have control over my thoughts and my actions. Yeah. So even when I'm sad and anxious, I, I live and I, I feel the feelings and then I quickly shift it regardless, even if it's painful. And that's what I live my life. And that's actually how I develop my limitless program. Because every, every day I would tell myself, you're limitless, you're beautiful, all these things. And it started becoming a lifestyle where I didn't have to work as hard in the morning and sit there and fight myself overdoing the things it was just natural and it you know I think one thing around mindset because people hear that right like oh just shift your mindset speak positive to yourself and if you are not someone who's accustomed to doing that or have ever you know tried doing that before it it almost sounds silly like oh, okay I'm gonna tell myself I'm beautiful and I'm gonna just try to have a positive outlook and life's gonna magically get better but it kind of magically does, you know, what you are feeding yourself and talking to yourself um, is so important more. And so this is why I, I, you know, the name of this podcast is I love me too, because it's like, I finally got to a place where I had to understand that, especially as a mom, you know, everything is about our children, our husbands, you know, we, we put ourselves last so that we yes. can give everything we have to them because that's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But I came to a point where I realized, no, it's actually quite the opposite. And so for me, I, you know, I believe in God and I'm, I'm very spiritual in that way. So ultimately, you know, like God is first in my life, but I come immediately after I'm like, no, I have to love myself and take care of myself in order to be the person that I want to be to my children and to my husband and, you know, whatever else that I, I love and care about, because 
perfect example. I wasn't really taking care of myself. And then I, you know, anxiety happened mm-hmm. and I was a mess. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. who I wanted to be to my children or my husband during that time, because I, I was just like trying to make it through every moment of my day. Yeah. Survival mode. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when, and I, in hearing you talk about sitting in your chair and, and write, you know, making a, a plan, I did something very similar. So when I started to feel better from my anxiety and I realized like, Hey, I've been doing really good. What, what am I doing differently? What are the things that I enjoy doing? Because I want to keep this going. Like this is the life I want to live. And, and I wrote down things that I like doing, things that make me smile. And I just stuck to that. Like, okay, I'm going to do more of that. And it really was, again, shifting that mindset. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy. It's, you have to exercise it. And, you know, in the beginning you exercise it and then you get stronger and it does just become who you are. And of course, life is unpredictable at times. So you may kind of fall a little off track and you just bring yourself back. You just stay in that mindset. And I love the fact that you realized I think sometimes in our situations, like we get to the bottom where we're helpless, yeah, we feel desperate. And then we get to a point, at least for me and what I, I heard you kind of just speak to you, is you get to a point where you're like angry, like, you know what, this is enough. Like, I don't need to live this way. I don't deserve this. And, yes. and that's what kind of lights the fire in you to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I have to even when I don't feel like it, because how else are we going to heal? Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up because I actually, now that, as I mentioned, it's a lifestyle and I'm actually like that every day with everything I do, because I'm going to stand up for myself. And like you said, all of my life, I gave to whether it's as a child, I wanted to feel loved in my relationships, the same thing. As an adult, as a mother, the same thing. I feel unwanted. Even by my son, if he didn't want to hang out with me, I'm like feeling rejected. And it's kind of a cycle, this pattern of just rejection. And and really people possibly don't even mean it that way, especially with my son. Mm -hmm. But having these feelings of feeling unworthy. And I came to a point that I'm like, I'm no longer going to feel that way. Because like you said, our kids also see it. So we have to be... um, a hundred percent with ourselves. Like you're either a hundred percent or you're not. Mm-hmm. And you have to, for me, I had to come to realize that, no, I need to be a hundred percent all the time. It doesn't mean that I have my, I don't have sad moments. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but I'm able to recover. And like, like you said, get angry again. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like that every day where something could happen with my significant other and we have a difficult conversation and I'm like, well, this is how I feel. Like I'm going to cry and have my moment. And then I'm going to let you know what I stand for. And it took me a long time to get here, but I feel like in the past, I never stood up for myself. I would always like, uh, my light was always dim, a dim light. And I gave others a spotlight for everything, because I felt like I was unworthy. My, what I had to say was not valuable. Mm-hmm. And now that I shifted my, my mindset, 
I realized like, no, I need to stand up for myself and show and be a reflection to my children. Yeah. And this is how you, you need to treat me this way. Like I don't ask the world. I just, I demand it even in my job. Like, I'm not going to ask you to please be nice to me. You Mm -hmm. will be nice to me. And not in a, you know, in a bad way or anything, but it's kind of the way I live. It's really the way, not kind of really the way I live my life where Miriam, I know what I want and I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm just going to do it. I'll let you know, Mm -hmm. you know, like when I started my business, I, I told my boyfriend, I told my family, but I'm not asking anymore because when you start asking people have things to say, like, no, it's not going to work out. And then you start having all these doubts again. You're giving them permission over yeah. things that you don't need permission for. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, I was always asking for permission, always asking for approval. Um, so this mindset shift has really transformed my life. And I've, I mean, Erica, really, I have some relationships. I told you about Lisa Nichols, who's my favorite. Um, motivation. Yes. Yes. And I love her as well. She's uh, yeah. I've actually hung out with her at conferences. She's held my baby. Um, My son has been at her conferences. Once I shifted my mindset and said yes to me, and I take more risks by reaching out to her, um, I'm actually in a very close friends with her partner, Matt Gill. And like, we're very close. All these relationships have developed because I say yes to me more than anything. I take care of me and then it transforms and I'm a better mother and a better um, girlfriend, a better daughter, like all these things. Once I'm full, you know, I'm a hundred percent. I'm able to provide to others. Yeah. You, you finally, what I hear is you love yourself. You love yourself enough to have boundaries. Yes. To go after your dreams. And I think when you start to change your mindset, um, you bring positivity into your life, whether that's in the form of the work that you do, the people that you start to be connected with, like your circle starts to change. Yes. Like I said, you know, earlier, it, it almost is almost kind of a very magical thing, how things shift. And so I wanted to have you go in a little bit about your limitless program. I know I did your, you did a 21 day mindset um, challenge in Facebook and I loved it. Like I looked forward every day. Okay. What's going to be today's um, like exercise. And so um, expand a little bit on what that program is and who is it for? Yes. Thank you so much. Um, So definitely um, when I shifted my mindset and just to go back, Cause I know some people get discouraged like this is that you can be anyone from no matter what background and you can learn how to shift your mindset. Um, so just like really, like you said, seek um, relationships that are like-minded with group, with the group of people or a person that's already where you want to be. And a lot of us have negativity in our household. So sometimes we need to look outside. And that's how I started developing relationships with people that are similar to me, that have all these ideas and want to help the world and do other things. So that's how I developed my Limitless program. I started thinking, how can I do it where I help other women that are going through postpartum depression? That's how I began. Mm -hmm. 
and what can I do to help women feel better about themselves regardless of the situation? And postpartum depression, the way how everything happened was a very sad moment in my life. Um, but it's kind of pain to purpose. I felt like that because of that pain, I realized what my purpose was and it's to help women achieve their goals, enhance their lives, gain confidence, stand up for themselves and just empower them to do whatever it is that makes them happy. And to find out what is that makes them happy, like what's their why? And to also release all these limiting beliefs. So in my program, in the beginning of the program, the first week, we dig deep as to what is it that you think about yourself? And we start questioning these beliefs. Where do they come from? Um, why? And how do we shift them to, to something that's positive? And every day we have practices where the women have to shift their mindset. And it's kind of like the 21 day mindset challenge. Um, but this is a little bit more deep and intentional mm -hmm. where I work with them either one-on-one -on -one or in a team. Mm -hmm. And then we go through this journey about, uh, on setting goals and really breaking them down because for a lot of us, when we have goals, um, specific, especially when we're mothers, we don't have the time, the energy, there's so many barriers, but in my program how do we look at that barrier as an opportunity or an opportunity to shift your schedule um, as I mentioned I think a routine like we must have a routine especially when we're making all these changes in our lives yeah that's and developing huge. a schedule and accountability is huge so that's what I focus on in my program and seeing results like we have to see some and take action so we want this, we said, you said you wanted this goal. What's the action that you're going to take and how will you be held accountable? And that's the areas that we focus on in the Limitless six-week program. Yeah. And I, I love, you know, what your work does for people because a lot of times, you know, we know that we want more for ourselves, but we don't know how, like, wh where do I even start? Where do I yeah. go? So, you know, the fact that you have this program, um, you know, if you're a listener right now and you're like, you know, yes, I want to get to the other side of whatever it may be that you're experiencing, uh, you know, Miriam's program is, is perfect because as she just explained, she takes you really from the beginning of identifying what your limiting beliefs are, what you kind of have to work through, um, you know, deep within and then progresses you to your joy and your abundance and um, your empowerment. So if somebody out there is interested in connecting with you and the work that you do, where can they find you? Thank you. Yes. So I'm on Facebook under Miriam Cruz, C-R-U-Z, my last name. Um, and Miriam Speaks on Instagram and also Miriam Speaks on um, the website. I have a website. So you're welcome to reach out to me on any of those platforms. Um, and also, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sorry, excuse me. I'm going to be restarting my 21-day uh, mindset challenge. I'm, I'm going to possibly make it a shorter challenge because I know people are very busy. Um, but my goal is just to give people an idea and an introduction to a mindset so they're able to shift their thoughts. So I would love for anyone who's interested in learning more to reach out to me. And there's also very um, valuable resources that I offer for free.
Yeah, I definitely think because you do offer a lot of great tools um, free. And so again, yeah. anyone out there listening, connect with Miriam Cruz and I'll have her information. I'm also posted below in the show notes, but you know, you can preview kind of what she does and, and even, you know, if it's a 21 days or something a little bit shorter, it definitely gives you a peek into what your future can look like. Exactly. So, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I, um, you know, I so much appreciate you being on today's show and accepting my invitation uh, to be here. And, you know, this podcast is so important to me and my goal and intention for it is just to keep empowering and inspiring other women through, through the stories and experiences that, that we really have in common. Mm -hmm. So thank I just you. thank you so much for your time. Yeah. And before I let you go, I have a final question for you and I want to know what, what do you love most about yourself? Oh my goodness. There's so many things. Where do <laughs> I start? Um, I love that I'm able to really own my choices and own who I am. And that includes every single part of me, my physical, my emotional, my mental, and I'm truly madly in love with me. I love that. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So again, I, I thank you for your time. I hope that you have a, a beautiful day. And um, for those listening, again, I'm going to be including Miriam's uh, social media platforms and her contact information. I definitely think you, you know, have to take a look at what she does and what she can do for you. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time, remember, you are valuable, you are worthy, and it's okay to say, I love me too.